you're ever in the area, come check out Gem Comics located at 125 West 1st Street, Elmhurst, Illinois, and talk to Chris Jocelyn for all your comic book needs. Without further ado, Gem Comics proudly gives you Chris vs. Chris, a comic book podcast, where Chris Sturm and Chris Jocelyn, two comic book enthusiasts with the same name but with different opinions, do battle with each other by opening the gates to all things comic culture related. One shall stand and one shall fall. You decide. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Chris vs. Chris. We are your hosts, Chris Sturm. And Chris Jocelyn. And today's debate will be heroes versus villains. I, Chris Thurman, will be taking on villains. And I defend. will be taking on heroes, as I am the more heroic of the two of us. And I like a good villain monologue. So that's what we will be doing. Before we start this episode, I just want to give a shout out to Tristan Sturm, my brother, for giving us this idea for an episode. Once he mentioned it to me and I told Chris, we just couldn't stop talking about it. So we're really excited to share this episode with you. Uh, I want to start off with... Heroes and villains, and Chris, you tell me if I'm wrong, it's the yin and yang of traditional comic book storytelling. It's, Absolutely. It's heroes. Heroes represent the dreams and aspirations that we want to be the better human, and villains are just the fallen idealists, which in turn turns them into disillusions. Monsters in some cases. Some cases, yeah. Heroes can demonstrate idealist values, and villains show the heroes the resistance to those values. So how would you defend, in comics, heroes are more important than villains? Whose name's in the title? There's villain titles. Okay, name four. Hades from Disney, Maleficent from Disney, Scar from Disney. What else is there from Disney? <laughs> Carnage from Marvel. Penguin. Penguin just came out. That's true, and I can't believe you forgot Joker. Joker, yeah, I, I wasn't done. You said four, and I gave you six by my count. Maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> Maybe. Not, not all right. Math. All right. There are. First of all, those are dynamite. Half those are dynamite, and dynamite barely counts. Poison Ivy. I'll just I'll start shouting out names right now <laughs> as we're going through. Is she really even a? Vi are either of them really even villains anymore? They started out as villains, and then they went into this direction of. I'm gonna say antihero. Maybe reform villain. Their origin is villain. Their origin is villain, but once you get to a certain point, they're not really a villain anymore. They're not a hero either. I argue that some of them, I argue that for the most part, Catwoman is closer. I mean, she steals. Still. Everyone has their hobbies. <laughs> this is no judgment. No judgment, please. <laughs> All right, if you didn't have a villain in a story, what is a hero to do? I mean, like, really. The villains drive the story. The villains are the ones that create the chaos, the setup, the the journey that the hero needs to overcome. But I think you can still do that without having a hero. You can. It's called horror comics. By the same token, you know, as long as we're moving into other genres you can have a hero without a villain i would point at archie comics the whole romance comic genre humor humor comics but if we're focusing on specifically superhero comics then i would argue you need 
some form of opposition to whatever the hero was doing to drive the drama. I would argue that the villain is kind of just checking off a box in some cases. I mean, there's there's a lot of cases where the villain of the story is incredibly important. And, you know, the villain is dramatic and interesting and, you know... But not every villain is Joker or Doctor Doom. I mean, there's Rainbow Raider, there's Crazy Quilt, there's... A spectrum of villains. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's a spectrum of heroes. There are, but the villains are usually fighting a at least semi-popular... At least a hero that is popular enough to have their own title. Or be headlined in a team book. One of the two. When you've got the hero is who the story is about. You could, I mean, the, the villain of the story could be the hero stubbing his toe and jumping up and down, you know, in pain, and then, I don't know, destroying the thing that he stubbed his toe on. It's what we care about is less the villain and more the hero, because we want to see how he reacts, what he or she, what they do. Uh, an example I'm going to give is from... The 90s. And okay. long acknowledged heyday of comics. Which is the comic which ran for about 80-some issues, I forget the exact number, which is Impulse. Oh, I'm I remember not, this. Okay. I'm not sure he fought a serious villain in the entire 80 issues, except for that one issue he kind of fought the Joker, and that was funny as hell. It was about Impulse being funny. It was about what Impulse did and the humor antics of it because you can have other elements to storytelling than just hero versus villain. You've got... Is that like can, a slice of life kind of comic for Impulse? Like a, a day in a life? Some of them are. Most of the time it's just really, really lame villains and Impulse kind of bumbling his way through things. But oh, so there were villains in there. Some of them. Okay. I mean, there was one issue where he went to friend, went to school, tried to make friends, and ended up starting what pretty much amounted to a riot <laughs> of people who just wanted to beat the crap out of him. I don't know why that makes me laugh. <laughs> it was a hilarious issue. It, Mark Wade and Humberto writing, Humberto Ramos doing the art. I laughed my ass off through the whole thing. You know, there's other elements. There's... If you read a Batman, Detective, or Sandman Mystery Theater comic, you're going to see a mystery, and people get involved in the mystery. If but you, in that mystery, there's villains. There's some sort of crime happening. There's something happening. But... If you're doing detective work, it's usually someone was killed, or someone had died, or something was stolen. There's, there's that oppositional force there that the detective is trying to problem solve. But that's just checking off the box of an oppositional force. It doesn't necessarily have to be a character in and of itself. In fact, in a lot of mystery stories, you don't really know who the character or the villain, I use quotation marks with my hands there, is until the very end. They're not really a character in the story. They're just there. Give me your opinion on this, but with villains posing that oppositional force to heroes, aren't you ever interested... What, how, what level they're going to take it, what kind of chaos are they going to introduce, what kind of destruction, pain, something that they're going to do towards the hero. On some and level, how is the hero going to overcome it? 
well, or not. Well, actually, and that would exactly be the point I was making, that last point there that you made, where how is the hero going to overcome? What are they going to do is what, more what I care about. The villain is important in that, yes. And a good character, of course I'm interested. Can a hero be as good as its villain? Like, can it... You need a villain to make a hero as good as they are, right? I think to tell an epic story... Yeah. I think a good villain is essential, yes. But you can't tell an epic story every time out of the gate. Otherwise, it dilutes its intensity. You don't get... It doesn't hit as hard. Batman can't fight the Joker every issue. He's sometimes got to go fight the Mad Hatter or whoever. You know, now that you're talking about the Joker, I'm going to throw it out there. One of the more interesting films with the Joker in it was the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight. And I only bring that up because out of those three films, the Joker in that film is a wonderful case study for the villain actually winning and defeating Batman, making him break his one rule, The both of them fighting for the soul of Gotham, the fact that it wasn't Joker's plan to necessarily defeat Batman in a fist fight, but rather that people can be corrupted and the corruption that took place at the very end was Gordon had to lie to Gotham's citizens that Harvey Dent died a hero but the reality is Batman killed him to save Gordon's son and was that kid named James Jr. in that? it was yeah okay. James Jr. I was wondering if they were going to do anything with that, oh, that with James awesome. yeah. yeah yes that is a very good case study and it is interesting. I think it needs to be said that in those movies, Heath Ledger gave a masterful performance. I don't think had you had a lesser actor in that role, you would have had the same, the Joker would have had the same impact. I think that goes for most movies. The actors that take on their roles that they, need to, they need to come across as convincing and believable. And, you know, Jokers before, like Jack Nicholson, that was a fantastic portrayal of the Joker because we had never seen a Joker in live action quite like that. Yeah. Those are my two favorite Jokers. I mean, I know some people from the 60s like... Okay, first of all, my favorite Joker is Mark Hamill. And, um... That's true. You're right. (laughs) Three. I'm sorry. I was discounting animation completely, but you're right. I mean, Mark Hamill's the man. When I and read Mark about, Hamill, we know you're listening. So. Yes, thank you for everything you've done, Mark Hamill. We appreciate it greatly. No, when I read a Batman story, the voices I hear are Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. I mean... I force myself to hear Heath Ledger. Because <laughs> I want to hear that tone. <laughs> I want that repeated over and over again because that Joker was just masterful. Like, that is a villain among villains that was properly portrayed and... That's just my point, that I just think villains... Batman, to me, I felt like had very little to do other than trying to figure out what the next step was of the Joker, and the Joker was always two steps ahead. Yeah, that movies, those movies didn't have the smartest Batman ever. They were still... We were still watching Batman grow. And in this case, one of the things we were watching was the Joker, him become... I don't want to use the word corrupted. He went against his values. Yeah. And then morphed into something else that only Batman could. Yeah. Which was become 
a villain. In a well, in the public eye, to be obviously yeah. as the audience, we're like, he's no villain. Yeah, he's I mean, a hero. Which was, in the truth, the heroic thing to do was to take the blame onto himself for everything Two Face had done. But it had the, ramifications, which we saw in the third film. But we don't have to. We don't have to talk about we that. We don't have to go deeper <laughs> into that at all. But it did. But at the time, it was the be- it was the sacrifice play. He sacrificed what he believed in to achieve the best outcome for Gotham. I agree. I agree. And that was kind of what everything Joker was doing was leading up to. But we should move this conversation back to comics because, well... This They're comic-related comic. characters. Speaking of another villain, Darth Vader. Just throwing it out there. He's got a comic. He does. What am I at now? Seven? Seven. I hit seven? Okay. I'm going to try to hit ten by the end of this All right. episode. All right. Just quick question. How many titles does Marvel put out a month? A month? Mm, 50? 50 or 60, yeah. So, you know, you've got seven villains across four companies. You're good. Oh, you got me thinking now. You got me really <laughs> thinking. Like, as we're recording, like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm See, this is, my, this is my strategy. I'm distracting him by this, away from his main argument, just trying to get him to come up with villain. And folks, <laughs> that's what we call I'm winning. When you look at a hero, that's the character you're following. The quintessential story is called The Hero's Journey for a reason. You're, this is the character you're watching grow and change and evolve. This is the character you're watching over multiple arcs. You need a villain, sure. You need a opposing force. Be it the world, be it crime in general, be it whatever. But the individual villain itself, with a few notable exceptions, Darth Vader and the Joker being two of them, in some cases inconsequential. I mean, an example I'm going to give is comic book sales. Comic book sales are pretty much the best metric we've got for gauging interest in stories. Well, you're going right to the numbers. Well, Thanks. I got some of them. Okay. Don't um, some numbers. Well, I don't have actual numbers. I have <laughs> concepts. But, alright. If you are selling Batman, Green Arrow, Firestorm, whoever comics. Well, I'm in a DC mode today. Mood to be in. It's a good mood. Especially right now. You're not going to see a marked sales drop or rise based on who the villain in the comic is at the time. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. that. So it doesn't make a difference who the villain is in the title to raise sales? There isn't a... There isn't... I mean, you might see a slight change one way or the other and if they have a series of you know boring villains you might see the sales decline a little bit but people are coming back to see what the hero does that month villains come and go it's the hero that people are staying with the hero whose life we become invested in whose supporting characters we give a shit about whose I don't know trials and tribulations drive the story well we're gonna talk comics hero gets one first appearance but villains i mean you can keep manufacturing those and those first appearances depending on the character and how they're written i mean those values can reach when you add them all up 
to the same level, if not exceed, that first appearance of the hero. I mean, if you add up an almost infinite number of you know first appearance of villains, yeah, you can exceed the hero. It's I'm going to actually use this guy as an example, going way back. Well, you know, forty years. The hero Firestorm. Are you able to name four villains of Firestorms? No, because I'm still trying to name four villain titles. I'm trying to name more <laughs> ten villain titles, so... Nope. Okay. Firestorm has had... Firestorm had a hundred issue series. That's a long time without much in the way of notable villains. If the villain is the most important aspect of the story. Well, if you can have a hero's journey, you can have a hero's descent. You can have... I mean, villains go on journeys, too, also. Sometimes. Which is destruction, mayhem, I mean, and to get what they want. That's pretty relatable stuff to the average person, It's relatable, say. but it is static. I mean, a villain... Villains represent... You said it yourself at the beginning. Heroes represent... I'm paraphrasing. Heroes represent what we aspire to be. Yeah. Villains represent almost what we're afraid to become. Or sometimes don't recognize that we can be. Which make them relatable characters, I would say. I mean, I would argue... Please don't say Captain Cold. I swear to God, if you say Captain Cold, I will lose my shit. I would never say Captain Cold. He's actually very relatable. Oh, my God. Rainbow Raider. Uh, Kite Man. (laughs) Hell yeah. Polka Dots. (laughs) Oh, God, the Polka Dot Man. I'm poking fun, but don't you think in comics it's interesting when a villain and a hero have to team up to take down another villain that they're both being outmatched with. I mean, I just... Of course. I mean, that makes a good story partially because you want to see... That that represents the ultimate temptation for the hero. You've got the villain who's like, we can do this to win, but yeah, you're going to have to compromise your values. You're going to have to compromise. That was what I was looking for earlier. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to become... And the question is, how much is the hero willing to compromise what they believe in to take down this other threat? It's Also, they have to watch their back because teaming up with any villain, you know you're going to get stunk. Oh, God, yeah. It's It's, inevitable. It's it's going to happen. What's that terrible about the scorpion and their nature? I mean... Is it scorpion, the frog, or a turtle? I think it's a scorpion, the frog. Right, yeah. yeah. That's interesting stuff to me, but it's... It's very rare that they shake hands and walk away without someone getting stabbed. It's more like stab and walk away. Yeah, I mean, it's... You are... Chris is stumped. I, I, I am not... I've got you stumped. There's you no... do not. <laughs> yes, I do. It's an interesting story, but again, the hero is the focus. The hero is the constant. He's our perspective. They are the, our perspective into this world. They they are the ones who have an arc, whereas the villain is largely static. Occasionally, villains will have arcs over multiple appearances, but it, usually what we get is a snapshot of the villain at the moment that they're interacting with the hero, and then we might get some backstory on why they're different than the last time we saw them. Whereas the hero, we get to see them grow and evolve and change. And in some cases become more of who they are, in some cases become darker. I would agree with that model, actually. And here's why. Because comic books, for the longest time, were written just like that. And I think 
I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or five years ago, it is, it's changed. Villains are getting more of their own titles. They are getting their arts. They are changing in a way, but they're still villains. You're, we're reading more about them to, and maybe empathizing with them in their story of like, how did they become villains? The whole dynamic of writing comics heroes versus the villain. Did you mean to say they're being written more now than villains have been? I think villains are being written more in their own titles than they had been in the okay, beginning okay. when heroes had their own titles versus the villains. Yeah, and yeah, like you, you said, you were right. Yeah. You, the, you're following the hero, and then the villain comes in, and then they're gone. And then they come back, and you don't know what happened in that between time from when they got defeated to their new plan that they're trying to throw the hero off, but comics now are changing in the sense that you're changing getting... if we have this conversation again in 10 years i might actually be we might be on opposite sides of it i would argue we're not there yet really yeah i haven't got to ton of titles yet i will i promise <laughs> did i say carnage yet yes <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> I'll come up with more. Trust me. I just—it's alluding Stay me right tuned. now. Stay tuned. Three it's... podcasts for when Chris finishes his list. We're still within our time. <laughs> I would argue, even within the villain's title, the villain is in some ways becoming a hero. Everyone is the hero of their own story. In most of these villain stories, they are fighting against something that would be considered worse. I don't think so. I think of I think we're mixing that up. A villain can be a protagonist character, but they're not just because you're a protagonist character doesn't make you a hero. Right, but they're I would just suppose a protagonist in... going against an antagonist. That's it. And you can tell stories that way. I mean, you can look at the boys. Yeah. That is oh, God. protagonist. Do I have to Yeah. For <laughs> my point, right now, I will bring up the boys because you have these protagonist characters going against super-powered antagonist, more or less villains. It's a Garth Ennis book. Everyone's a bastard in it. They sure are. <laughs> and I know you hate it so much. I not hate it, but I know you... It's it's not... I am not a fan of the yeah. traditional Garth Ennis comic because Garth Ennis... Whenever he writes superheroes, the only thing I hear is, I hate superheroes from Garth Ennis. It does sound that way. It really does. I, I can hear it, too. The show's amazing. Check out the show. <laughs> but I would argue that if you've got a villain doing so fighting against a darker villain in that moment, they are being heroic. Or self-preservation. Self-preservation. Or they want something that they have. You can. I mean, if they are trying to take down the darker villain, usually for maintaining maintenance of the status quo, I mean, that, that starts sounding a lot like what uh, a hero does. Now, granted, they'll turn around and, like, not be a hero. I'm going to bring up Darth Vader again. I'm doing it. Here's why. Because even though he killed Palpatine, it still doesn't change what he had done, which was a good all of Luke and Leia's life just killing those that opposed Vampire. Like, you, just yeah. because you did one act and brought balance, to, it doesn't change the fact that you did a lot of mass killing in between. And, you know, all the lives he saved and heroic things he did as a Jedi didn't, weren't changed by the fact that he started killing things. He did good and he did bad in his life. I'm not going to argue that he was a hero at the end. I'm going to argue that he was acting like a hero at the end by taking down the darker 
power. Ooh, this is something I wanted to ask you. I really wanted to ask you this. So when Darth Vader did that, you know, took out Palpatine, does that one act forgive all the things he had done before? Like, is that that one last act? In uh, no way, shape, or form. No shape. Still a villain. Still. Actually, no, because those are two different questions. Is it? Yes. Explain. There's being accountable and still having done the things you've done. Like you said, it didn't change what he did. He's still accountable for the things that he did, the horrors that he inflicted on the galaxy. He didn't live to any judgment. There was no trial. There was no... What would they have done? Put him to death? Because he died. No, he died because he was dying. He died? No, he wasn't dying. He died because he went against Palpatine and Palpatine killed him. He was breathing really heavily after... He had a heart his hand 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 his, I never got rod. that. When his hand got chopped, he's breathing heavily. I'm like, you're not dead. It's just a robot hand. Why are you still breathing so hard? He'd been in a tough fight. He was yeah. an old man at that point. You ever go boxing as someone 20 years younger than you? It's not fun. Knock him right out. <laughs> Knock him right out. <laughs> I don't believe acts of good redeem acts of evil. But isn't that the more interesting story when it comes to heroes and villains? You watched Luke Skywalker. That's the hero's journey, right? But at the very end of it, it's the villain that saved the day. Boom. It's the villain that saved the day because Luke refused to compromise his principles. Luke had won. Luke could have... You're right about that. And that's the thing about heroes. They just, they have these principles. They're so rigid. They're never, they, they oh, rarely, so... they rarely cross that line to do what needs to be done. Well, that's a debate on what needs to be done, which is a, is a subject for another podcast. It's true. It's true. I did overgeneralize that one. Yeah. Moving away from the realm of film, which again is... It's in comics. Marvel printed it. They did after the film. Still comics, still count. All right. You know, going back to it, even with Luke, with whoever, it's the hero's journey. And yes, in this case, Luke didn't compromise his principles. But, you but know. He didn't save the galaxy. He had a father that just felt bad. He's getting his ass whooped. That was it. <laughs> Oversimplification, but still. Slightly. <laughs> there were some parts in the middle. I just a little bit, out on yeah, purpose. right, right. So to get back to my original point, well, heroes because no points. one cares. <laughs> Villains come and go. Yeah, I mean, some do. I mean, have we heard anything from Rainbow Raider recently? Have we heard anything from Zebra Man? I think we Hell, can establish we got... an A class, B class, and C level class of heroes and villains. Like, there are ones that, you know, they're written, they're forgotten about, and then they get picked up by some other creator and remixed into something relevant. But I think villains, they stand out because they are the driving force of the story. They're the setup for the heroes to try to knock them down. You can find... There are innumerable good comic books that do not involve villains, that involve heroes living their lives. One of the best comics of the legendary Wolfman Perez New Teen Titans run was issue 50, which was Donna Troy Got Married. 
And that's what the comic was about. It was no one put on a costume. Wedding episode or wedding yeah. issue. Wedding issue, yeah. No one put on a costume. There was no fight in it. No villain even showed up. But there was a lot of really good character moments. There was a lot of subplots moving forward, character development, all stuff about, you know, these characters that we've grown to care about that didn't involve them going out and punching the bad guy. In fact, I would argue the majority of that run was done like that. You thought of these characters as Dick, Donna, and Corey before you thought of them as Nightwing, Wonder Girl, and Starfire. And that's the mark of really good storytelling. Those wedding issues, do do those couples stay together? The majority, if you were to throw out a number, I know I'm kind of switching gears, but I'll bring it back, trust me. How many of those weddings do the couple stay married? Or is that just kind of like, it's written one and done? Well, how long do you want? I mean, that, that, that's the... Because, I mean, comics are, in, in a lot of ways, a never-ending story. You yeah. need to keep coming up with interesting things for these characters to happen, and, let's face it, romantic interest, which is another thing that doesn't involve a villain, is part of... Okay, yes, you can call... The, everyone's called their girlfriend or boyfriend a villain at some point or another, but that doesn't count. You can tell a more easily accessible story about a character having trouble with their significant other when they're dating than when they're married. I, I disagree. I think, and no. I'll bring it back, but when they're married, it's an evolution of that hero, or I think some villains do get married. I can't think of one, but I'm sure they do. Still, man, marry Princess Python. Okay. But comic books really just, they take the easy way out, and there's divorce or something happens where they don't stay together. I think... Where they sell their soul to the devil so they, they're no longer married anymore just so Aunt May can live. Good old Spider-Man. Good old Spider-Man. <laughs> the but I devil think divorce. It, I think it's more interesting if the characters stay together because then, you know, the villain really has something to play with right there. Well, I think both by villain you mean writer. I would agree with you. Um... Now, if you really think about it, the writer really is the biggest villain of the hero's lives. Boom! Thanks for making my argument. <laughs> I, That's the episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not enough of them stay together, though many of them, I would say, stay together. I would argue 10 years, real lifetime. If you can get marry a character and have them stay together in real life for 10 years, I would count that as a success. And, I mean, not everyone's going to be reading Sue Richards that have been married for 60 years at this point and look great for their age, I just got to say. They really do. They really do. I mean, you know, read through that beard recently and, you know, there really wasn't that much gray in it. <laughs> uh, Donna Troy and Terry Long didn't last because, well, frankly, that was a little creepy to begin with. You know, Spider-Man and Mary Jane you know, didn't last. I'm, it breaks I'm, my heart. It really does. Yeah, yeah, that one... That one stings. Uh, it's like if needs... Clark and Lois didn't wind up together. It's like, what are you doing? What are we doing here yeah, right now? Exactly. What are we reading? Exactly. Why? But actually, your reaction right there, that is another thing people care about that doesn't involve the villain. Stories have a lot of components to them, especially comic book stories, that make them interesting. One of which is, we 
are invested in these characters. We care if Spider-Man and Mary Jane end up together. We care because they overcame what the villains threw at them. We or care what because life threw what, at them. Right. I mean, and life usually involves villains. Life can involve villains, but it doesn't always. I mean, the IRS bills. <laughs> well, no one likes the IRS. I mean, if you're if you're listening, IRS, we love you. You're wonderful. Please don't look at my taxes. We're all up to date. Yep. Everyone's good. You need romance. You need humor. You need creativity. You need... All this can happen in a villain story. Just saying. All of that can happen. Joker and Harley. We're really going to call that a love story? I didn't say it had to be sane or relatable. Well, that's not true. People can relate to that kind of chaos in their life. That is an abusive story about a woman who is... How many are out there? Too many. (laughs) Exactly. Too many. They can, and when the story is about the villain, which it, and in 10 years we might be having a different conversation, but that's not what the majority of comics are about. The majority of comics are about the hero and their story and their journey. And you don't, the villain is one snapshot. The villain is something that happened on Thursday, whereas what we're interested in is what happened for the whole week. I mean, Batman punching out Two-Face is just what happened on Thursday. Whereas, I would also say it's also interesting to see if that hero turns into a villain. I mean, that's another component, I think, going back to why we pick up these titles sometimes is to see, is that hero going to cross the line? Are they going to go too far? Are they going to become what they fear, which is what they fight against? Which is one of the aspects of... I mean, I know it's not an aspect of the traditional hero's journey, mm-hmm. but when you look at comic books, that is an aspect of the hero's story, is the uncertainty of how it ends. But it wouldn't happen if you didn't have villains. Wouldn't you it? You needed villains. I mean, what, what would you tell a hero's story if villains weren't in... Like, if there wasn't a representation of what they could be, a reflection, what are we reading? What are we reading at that point? If there's no villains, no... Archie comics. Yeah, Archie comics. <laughs> Good one. Fair point. <laughs> I'll give you that one. If um, we were keeping a tally, yeah, you got that one. I gotta think of more villain titles. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue you need less the specific villain as a character and more just this villain as this nebulous presence, as in... You know, the war on crime. Crime is the villain. Okay, fine. But But who's driving the crime? Greed. And then who is being greedy? People. People. (laughs) We've been over this. You have villains. You do have villains. Yeah. But they don't matter in the long run. I don't think so. I think villains can still exist without heroes. They can. They're called horror comics. Well, you know. Not just horror. I mean, there's they can just run amok, and fate can stop them. I mean, superheroes existed before there were supervillains. They fought mobsters and you know racketeers and I don't know flimflam mans or whatever else they fought in the thirties and forties. Right. Those were the villains of its time. And there were since progressed. They have, but those were. 
cardboard cutout characters. They didn't matter. You can't argue the same level of thought and care went into the villain of a story like that as you can went into the hero. Yeah, I think for its time, like I said earlier, that like for its time, and I villains think, didn't get fleshed out and now they are. I think some of them better now are. Who do you think is the better fleshed out villain? Than what? Oh, just, just, just the best fleshed out yeah, villain? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really torn. Personally wise, I want to say Sinestro because Jeff Johns did an amazing job with him. Mm, okay. But objectively, I'm probably going to have to go with Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom's a good one. There have been so many layers added to his story over the years. And yeah, he's had his story. He was actually one of the first character villains to have his own title. It was called Supervillain Team-Up. It was in the 70s. And no, he was not a good guy in it. It was an experiment. It lasted 17 issues, and it didn't do that well. In fact, I think they had to end the story in Avengers hmm. just to actually wrap it up. I just want to see if you make my point for me. I don't think I did. I think that there is... You can have development in villains when you actually give them the time. They're characters. Any character can have development and arcs and stories about them. But if you look at superhero comics as a whole... I mean, they're even called superhero comics. It's villains don't get the same amount of screen time and just don't get the same amount of development. But I think their stories are more compelling to why they're doing what they're doing than what the heroes... Like, we know what the heroes are there for. They're there to have balance or to save people or to put the wrongs to right villains you just you know they're like i said they're the driving force of that story they're okay let me you know to let me ask you a question then Ooh. who do you think is the more compelling character spider-man or green goblin green goblin it depends who's you know donning the green goblin suit at the moment because every character that is put on that green goblin suit has had a journey and a path to why they put it on and the reign of hell okay, and terror well, that they did on Spider-Man. We know why Spider-Man puts on the costume. We knew from issue one. And yes, he's been tested and different people put on those costumes, the villain costumes, for different reasons. But the hero, it's basic. It's the same thing almost every time. You're arguing that... A villain is more interesting. Because they have... Because of variety? I mean, a villain essentially mm -hmm. boils down to the same thing. I get an ability... Life hasn't dealt me a great hand, or it has, and I want more, and I'm going to go out and take it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's just one aspect of a villain, too. There's, there's more. Just like it would only be one aspect of a hero to life has dealt me a whatever hand, and I've gotten this ability, and I'm going to go out and try to make the world a better place. I mean, yeah, they just want to make the world a better place, but villains could, you know, their motives could be because they want money. It could be because they want power. It could be because they want I think you territory. Can just, I think you can just 
stop it right at the word want. It's because they want. Or they feel they deserve. But does, I said in the very beginning that villains are disillusioned. And it's that disillusion that is the interesting component that drives these characters to do what they do. We know what the hero is going to do. We don't know what the villain is going to do. I would argue they always step hero. the game up. Not always, but you know, most issues. A good villain will step their game up every time. And that's why we come back, because we want to see, what are they going to do next? We know what the hero is going to do. And what is that? Try and stop the villain without compromising who they are or their values. I would actually argue that's the difference. That is the... Uh, I would argue that's where we disagree because I don't think we know the hero isn't going to compromise their values. I don't think we know the hero isn't going to... So we secretly want them to become villains? Not necessarily become villains, but we do want to see how close they can come to the line without crossing it. Well, without crossing it, then they're still in the right. Well, Who cares? they're still doing the right thing, in theory. The interesting part of the hero's journey is watching them blend close to that line, maybe even cross it into the anti-hero territory, and then drift, and then see if they can drift back, if they can come back to themselves. That is, how close can they get to the fire before they are consumed by it? That's part of the hero's journey that is interesting, and I would argue isn't necessarily driven by the villain. All right, let's do closing arguments. What do you got for me? Or do you want me to go? You can go first. All right. Villains. Love them. You hate them. You need them. They need to be in good hero opposing stories. And they can survive without heroes. There's plenty of stories out there where you can have a villain just drive the story without the hero. And without a villain... A hero is just, you know, saving cats from trees. That's my closing argument. I'm also going to point out stopping tornadoes, putting out fires, you know, doing all this other stuff that, you know, heroes are supposed to do. But a hero's job, a hero is our window into this world. Without the hero, we don't see anything that's happening. Without, the, without Batman to make Joker who he was, no one would care about Joker. The villain needs the hero just as much as the hero needs the villain. I would argue the villain needs it more because otherwise they're just making noise. There you have it, folks. Who debated it better? Chris Durham with villains or... Chris Jocelyn with heroes. And you know it was me. I'm going to go on a long villain monologue as I tell you my plan to <laughs> succeed. Thank you all for listening. Please write in your comments if you have any ideas that you'd like Chris and I to debate. We'd love to hear it. And keep on listening.